Welcome to episode two of my mini podcast series about the Federated Logic Conference. As expected, today has been full on and I'm feeling pretty exhausted right now. I was up at half seven this morning and it's just gone 11 at night, so if I don't get this edited and uploaded tonight, you'll know why. My day started with breakfast in the dining room at St. Anne's College. This was the first opportunity I had to meet fellow attendees, so before I'd even plated my breakfast, I'd already cornered Martin, a friendly-looking PhD graduate from Berlin, and reserved a seat next to him. I'm always interested in the social dynamics at these kinds of events. Looking around the room, there were distinct groups of friends clearly attending the conference together, as well as a number of people by themselves, perhaps looking a little anxious about what the day had in store. Over breakfast, I asked Martin questions about what he does and his background. He explained he's a PhD graduate working in the field of formal verification for a large manufacturing company. His company is sponsoring him to be here, and his area of expertise is in taking a model produced by some machine learning algorithm and checking it for consistency against a set of invariants. He uses formal techniques to do this, and it sounded like an interesting intersection between theory and practice. He asked about my background, and I think he was surprised to hear I'm not actively studying, and that I'm here out of general interest. The first session of the day was on the topic of computational learning theory, and it was taught by a welcoming lecturer from the University of Oxford. Yesterday, I wondered what form these sessions would take, and they turned out to be lectures, but with opportunities to ask questions along the way. Let me try and give a brief overview of what computational learning theory is. Its purpose is to develop methods and formalisms we can use to analyse machine learning algorithms. So, for example, we might want to consider whether a particular problem is well suited for machine learning and how many parameters its model should have. It also looks at the feasibility of training these models in a reasonable amount of time. Here, reasonable typically means polynomial in the number of training examples. I'd never really heard of computational learning theory before, but it seems to be a broad topic that tries to make sense of machine learning by using a lot of other fields from computer science, like complexity analysis. Our focus for the session was on classification problems. We were introduced to something called the PAC learning framework. PAC stands for probably approximately correct, and the basic idea is that a learning algorithm is presented with some sample data, and it must choose a function that generalizes with high probability to other data drawn from the same distribution. I think I got the gist of this, but I definitely struggled a bit. There was a lot of terminology and mathematical notation. We then moved on to something called VC dimension, which is a way of measuring the expressiveness for different kinds of function. For example, a simple function that describes a straight line is not particularly expressive and would have a low dimension, whereas a high-order polynomial or something like a neural network can classify much richer concepts, so its dimension would be higher. The way VC dimension is actually defined is in terms of the maximum number of points that can always be correctly classified by the function. A classifier based on a straight line in the two-dimensional plane is expressive enough to be able to classify three points, but when a fourth is added, it's possible to come up with a labelling of these points that means one is classified incorrectly. This fourth point is said to shatter the classifier, and so the dimension of it is three. We considered a few of these examples on a whiteboard, and I found this part particularly engaging. We looked at different classifiers and tried to come up with the minimum set of points that shatters them. This helped build much-needed intuition on the topic. 
We then spent a while tying the two things we just learned together, proving that if a classifier has finite VC dimension, then it's also pack learnable. My intuition for this result was that if there's some limitation on how expressive a classifier can be, then it's always going to have to generalize in some way. This generalization is a good thing because it means it's easier to train and its performance can be better understood. But the downside is it might be too general and not capture enough about the domain under consideration. There was a bit more content in the first session that I didn't fully understand, but I didn't mind too much. I was happy I could at least get the gist of what was going on, with the confidence that my notes could point me in the right direction. We then had a 30 minute coffee break where I met Anu, a technical project manager who happened to have been sitting right behind me in the lecture. I asked him about how he'd found it so far, and we discussed some of the topics. After the break was another 90 minute session from the same lecturer. At this point, the day was only a quarter over, and I'd already taken in a lot of content. The lecture continued by discussing O-minimal structures and growth functions. By this point, I'd accepted there were going to be topics that passed me by, and that was okay. I still tried to follow the flow of what was happening, and took some notes, but I didn't worry too much about it. Towards the end of the lecture, we looked at how increasing the structural complexity of neural networks adds to their expressiveness. As you'd expect, more layers and nodes means your network is able to learn richer concepts, but the trade-off again is that this increases the time complexity of training these networks, and the potential of overfitting. Finally, we talked a bit about sample compression schemes, which turned out to be another name for dimensionality reduction, which is a topic I've studied before. And with that, the first morning of lectures was over, and it was time for lunch. Over lunch, I met Simone, who's studying a PhD in Glasgow. His thesis is on showing an equivalence between relational calculus and relational algebra. He explained that the former student of his supervisor had proven some implications in one direction, and he was working on the other direction. I also met Giorgio, who works on semantic analysis for probabilistic programs. The afternoon session was about statistical learning theory. This was far more maths-heavy than the morning session, and it contained a lot of detailed proofs. The lecturer introduced something called Rademacher complexity, which is similar to VC dimension in that it measures the expressive capacity of a learning algorithm, but it can be applied to non-binary functions. The day finished at 5.30, and I retired to my room for a break. At 7 o'clock, I made my way to the dining hall to find it was full of people from a number of different conferences going on around the university. It was a nice atmosphere, and I made friends with a research group from Madrid. I was beginning to notice a theme. Everyone I'd spoken to so far were PhD students, deep in their studies and focused on their research. People were generally a bit surprised to find I don't fall into that category, but they've been very welcoming so far, nonetheless. After dinner, a few of us walked into the city centre to explore. We ended the evening watching the penalty shootout between Denmark and Croatia in a local pub. After that, we headed back, and most people went straight to bed. I, on the other hand, had a podcast to record. Thanks for listening.